You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. What we're going to talk about today is the impossibility of really praying to God and the possibility nonetheless. Um, and as we'll see, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to see the, the scope of things that I, that I want to share today. Um, our, our ability to, I'm already, spoiler, I'm giving away the end already, but it's not going to mean anything to us yet, but our, our, that our very ability to actually daven rests on our inability to actually daven. I'll start with this. When, when we're, we talk about davening, we're really talking about the Amida, the Shemona Esrei. It's the Shemona What is the first thing we do? as we get ready to daven, as we get ready to, to enter into Shemonesri, what's the first thing we do? Take three steps back. Okay, so you're both saying parts of it. One, the first thing we say is Hashem Sotai Tiftach. Is God, open my lips and let my mouth speak your, your praise. And there's something we do before we say those words, which Aaron David was saying, is that we take three steps back and take three steps forward. Really, we'll see the halacha is to take three steps forward, and the post can say, well, there's a minute to take three steps back so you can take, take three steps forward. But there's, there's a bit of walking that we do before, before we open our mouths. And even the first thing we do when we open our mouths, we're basically saying to God, you open my mouth. Which, before we get into any of that, is saying, I can't do this. Now, Who knows where those words come from? Who said those words? Hashem David Amelech. When did David Amelech say those words? In one of the Tehillims. And not just any one of the Tehillims. <clears throat> Tehillim Nun Aleph. Nun Aleph. Tehillim 51. Tehillim 51 we'll look at in a moment together. But Tehillim 51 is the... It's the Tehillim David Melech. It's his prayer in response to when Natan Hanavi came to him and gave him Tochacha for what he did with Batshev. To refresh your memories, those of you who haven't learned Sefer Shmuel Bet in a while, the short version is David Melech saw. This woman, Batsheva, bathing on her roof. He desired her. And he basically sent her husband out to the front lines of battle to... Well, first he slept with her. He got her pregnant. Then he sent her husband out to the front lines of battle to to get killed so that it would be kind of a clean, clean slate as far as everybody else could tell. And that's what happened. And then Natan Navi, the prophet, comes and, and tells David a story. Natan says, there was a very rich man who had many animals and livestock and a lot of wealth. And there was a very poor man who had nothing but one 
little sheep. And he and his family, you know, the sheep sat at the table and ate with them. And the sheep became like a beloved child to, to this man. And the rich man was hosting somebody in his home. And instead of taking one of his animals, he says, you know, I'm going to go pluck that man's sheep. And he took the sheep and he served it to his guests. And David Melech said, the guy who did that is a dead man. And Natan Navi said, the guy who did that, David, is you. And David said, Chatati Hashem, and, and, and goes through an a intense process of tshuva and also intense story of what happens. That child was is born and then dies, and then and then uh, Shlomo Amalek is the next child that David and Bathsheba have. But <clears throat> but the story of David and Bathsheba and the prayer of David in response to Natan coming and showing to him what he just did is a prayer of deep angst and tshuva and crying to God. That is where Chazal tells us we begin davening every single time. And you know, it's to the, to the point at which there's this inyan, you're supposed to be somech ge'ula latfila, the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and praise to, to God for redeeming us from Egypt is supposed to immediately be followed by tefillat amida. That's our gateway into prayer. And Chazal says, Hashem Svadai Tiftach is an interruption. <clears throat> Supposed to have somech gula latvila. How can you just, how can the rabbi just say, no, before you dive in, we decided to put in this other, like, random pasuk from Tehillim? So Chazal says it's ketvila arich dadami. This opening line is an elongation of our prayer, it's an extension of, of everything that we're about to do. So that's the frame. We're going to go into the story, but before we do, I want to share something with you from Rabbeinu Yona al Masechet Avod. This this has been on my mind for years. This whole inyan of this of this this line of these steps of what we're doing as we enter into tefillah, because it seems like for all number of reasons, Chazal said, despite our our normal structures of prayer, it's absolutely critical that we have this pasuk and these steps as our doorway into before we open our our mouth and, and prayer. And I've been wondering why doesn't anyone talk about this? Gemara has this like throwaway line. It's tefila arich tadamia. It's like this extension of the prayer, just to justify what it's doing there. Rabbeinu Yona on Masechet Avot says the following: Sometimes people are unable when confronted <clears throat> with where they are and to whom they are speaking. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking about myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. And on the Yomim Noraim, we have a whole piyut about these words, right? Um, where we ask God to pry open the lips to, to let something come out because we're, we, we, we're encountering our incapability of doing anything here to really stand before God. So this is, this is at the heart of what, what we're going to be looking at. Rabbeinu Yonah says the following. Well, first, Masachat Afa, right? Al-Shloshad Varim Al-Am Omeid, Al-Torah, V'yal Avoda, V'yal, everyone knows this one. V'yal, what's the third pillar? That's got to do refreshers in Masachat Afa. V'al-Gemilu Chasadim. Three pillars the world rests upon. Torah, Avoda, and Gemilu Chasadim. Rabbeinu Yonah says, Avoda, what does Avoda mean? So what does Avoda mean before it means prayer? Korbanot. It means korbanot. Korbanot are one of the things that the world, you know, ticks on. It's like one of the wheels of the of the of the watch. Ben Yonah says the following. 
says, Az b'chata'enu, he says, Mipnei ha'avoda nivra kol ha'olam kulo, he has a whole ma'alach, the world is, is created for, for, for avoda, for devotion and service of God. Az b'chata'enu charav beit, charav mikdash u'batla ha'avoda. But in our misdeeds, in our chet, in our sins, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, and Batla Avoda, Batla Avoda, the main thing is missing. We've caused this big absence. So, so what do we have? Atfila ileinu achshav bimkoma, k'mo shamru chazal ulaovdo b'chalavachem, ezehi avoda shabalei veva omer zutfila. And in our time, Tfila is in place of the Avodat HaMikdash, based on the Mamre Chazal we've seen together, Avodah Shabalei v'stfila. It's like a korbanot in your heart. And this is what it said, God, open up my lips. Because David Melech said this pasuk about the chait of Bat Sheva, Shehaya b'meizid, ve'ein levi'im korban al hazdonot. David's act of Bat Sheva was intentional. And there is no korban you can bring to atone for an intentional sin. Amazing. This donut. Later in this Tehillim, we're going to see the Tehillim. At the end of the Tehillim, David says, God, you don't want me to bring you a sacrifice. You don't want me to kill an animal for you. You don't want a korban ola. Shani, aiti avi korban David is saying, if I could bring a korban for kapara, if there was some kind of mechanism that would make me okay right now, I would do it. But you've made it clear, God, that there is no mechanism here. There is no quick fix. There's nothing I can do to make, make up for that act. You think what he did? He mamish ordered a man to die to cover his back for having an affair with the guy's wife. What could you possibly do to make that okay? To, to, to make up for that? So David is saying, you there is nothing. Nonetheless, David Melech is saying, I don't know, God. All I can really reach for is for you to open my lips. Let there be prayer that emerges from me that you're going to somehow accept in place of, in, of a korban that's impossible. <clears throat> it's not impossible because there's no bit of mikdash. That's our reality. It's impossible for David because of because what he did. There is no korban that can that can atone for that. I'm, it's impossible for me to do kapara. Somehow I'm just praying for you to be mechaper anyway. What he says at the end of that Tehillim, by the way, is Zivche Elohim ruach nishbara lev nishbar v'nidke Elohim lotivze. The the real sacrifice to God is a shattered spirit. A broken and crushed heart, God won't turn away. That's all David has, is his, his utter brokenness to offer. So says the Rabbi Yonah, In our reality, we have no korbanot. We've got nothing to make up for our intentional misdeeds, nothing to make up for our mistakes. We've got nothing to offer God. So we just say Hashem Tiftach, and, and, and it seems to me that what Rabbi Yona is saying is, <clears throat> on some level, this is what it means, Tfilot, come in place of Korbanot. 
What it means that tefillah come in place of korbanot is that the very essence of our tefillah is we've got nothing for you. Is David HaMelech. That I've got nothing to offer you and the tefillah that I have, that's something that comes after that. The tefillah that I am offering you comes from the place of fully acknowledging, recognizing that I really have nothing to give you. That I have nothing to say for myself, nothing to justify. And the tefillah is something that comes from a place, in a sense, beyond that. Beyond what I don't have, here's what I've got. Here's what I don't have to give you. <laughs> that is tefillah in place of korbanot. Is that the correct way of approaching God? God, I have uh, nothing. Could not our tefillah be like Moshe Rabbeinu used to say, uh, you're the God of mercy mm-hmm. and, and this sort of thing. Why does one have to start off by saying, God, I have nothing. I have nothing to give you. Mm-hmm. It's a humble approach. To be humble. When you approach God, you have to be humble. You just can't be on your heights. Oh, I'm king, you know, but well, you have to be sort of like humble, I guess. That's... I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. What I hear Michal saying is, what do I, yes, have to lean on? What I do have to lean on is, is not myself, it's you. Like, you're this, you're God, you've got something to, to do here, right? There, there's like, like, that's what I'm hearing. It doesn't have to be just kind of wallowing in my own uh, absence, right? And, and, uh, and, and, and chesronot. We'll look at some of these. It's not, first of all, there isn't one way to approach God. We're approaching God in every moment and every mode of our lives from different vantage points. And, and God is is many and all of those things and infinitely more than that. So it's not one thing. But even this nikuda of my entry into prayer as Hashem Svatai Tiftach, it doesn't ex- discount what you're saying either. Because I am, in a sense, leaning on God when I'm doing that. I'm saying that Beit Mikdash, that thing that makes sense, the kind of give and take between you and me, I don't know how it works anymore. I don't know from my circumstance how the approach to you makes sense. And yet what I am doing is calling on you anyway. So that does come from some kind of belief that there's something beneath all of that. Hashem's There's a deeper base, a deeper ground here that maybe I don't know what it is, but I know that it is. And I know that it's possible. And that's what I'm calling on. I'm recognizing my extreme limitations here. And in doing that, I'm, I'm in a sense giving myself to, to that divine reality that's much bigger than any of that. It's both the, those things kind of come, they, they meet each other. They come together. Let, let, let's come into to the Tehillim. If you have a sitter, it's in the Shabbos morning um, Sukkot Zimra. If you have a Tehillim, it's Tehillim 51. <clears throat> Starts off, The song to the conductor, a song for David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had come to Bathsheba. Says David, Be graceful to me, God, in your kindness, in your incredible compassion, wipe away my misdeeds. Cleanse me of my sin. 
Purify me from my sin. Because I acknowledge, I'm aware of my misdeeds. My sin is before me always. David is haunted by what he did. And all he's saying in these opening lines is, your chesed, your rachamim, I'm asking you to do the impossible for me because I'm just, it's chatati negdi tamid, all I see is my, my chet, is my mistakenness, is my wrongdoing. God, I, you are the righteous one, you are the just one. I've, I'm only in the wrong here, says David. Basically, what's he, all of these opening lines, I have no justification. I have nothing to say for myself other than total acknowledgement of sin. Now David kind of shifts gears. David says, you know what? I was conceived, I was formed in Avon, in misdeed. My mother bore me, she conceived me in sin. What do you think those words mean? What do you think he's saying? What I... What I don't think this is saying, I'll just say this, what I don't think this is saying is that conception is sinful. I don't think David Amalekh is saying that, that sex is a, is a sinful act. He's saying something deeper than this. <clears throat> there, are, there are a couple ways to read this. One is, as you're bringing up, the Midrash says that David Amalekh's father, Yishai, was a big tzaddik and had concerns over um, continuing to have children with his wife, with Nitzevet, because he was descendant from Ruth HaMoaviyah, who married Boaz. Right? Remember the story of Ruth? And there was, a, there was a halacha that you can never marry the nation of Moab. They can never be part of Israel. And so he thought, I don't want to be creating Mamzerim. And he basically separated from her. He was going to marry his shifcha, his maidservant, and bear children through her, etc., etc. The Midrash says that, that Nitzavet and the maidservant got together and made like a Rachel and Laya deal and said, you, Nitzavet, sneak in at night. He'll think you're me. And, and, that, and that David was conceived in that, in that act. So, so you're saying, Michal, but, but wait a minute. She was his wife. Laya Laya there, there, there was obviously something not aligned there. There was something going on there that was, first of all, her tricking her husband to sleep with him. Secondly, he's already kind, he's separated from her. And thirdly, the whole concern there is maybe all children in this family are, are, sinful, are, are, are coming from sinful unions. And if you look deeply into the family ancestry of David Amalekh, Let's just name some of the generations of David and Melech. Lot and his daughters birthed the nation of Moab. Right? Remember what Moab means? Me'av, the child who comes from this incestuous relationship between the daughter and the father. Yehuda and Tamar, who, who, who bring about Peretz, who is the ancestor of Boaz. Ruth and Boaz, who the Chachamim say, like they came up with some, some chidush in the, reading the halacha that, that really they could marry each other. But that whole story of Ruth is, a, is about 
kind of breaking barriers through the conventions of, of what was appropriate <laughs> and what was not. David and Batsheva, this whole story, this whole family is fraught with very complex and twisted um, unions. Now that's one story. That's one way of reading these pasukim. My my mother bore me in sin, or two ways of reading the pasuk. But I want to say something even simpler. So I think that David Melch is, if we just want to stay more on on, on shot here, what's he saying? He is acknowledging and recognizing his absolute frailty as a human being. He's in a place of being completely, he, he has just done the worst thing imaginable. And here he is living with that. And and the place that it brings him, after talking about what I did wrong, what I did wrong, it's like, you know what? I am in my very root, flawed. In my very conception as a human being. I'm chaser. I'm, I am chet. I am deeply imperfect. Not imperfect because I've come short of perfection, but imperfect because that is how I'm made. In his personal biography and family ancestry, that takes on specific um, pathologies or deviances. But the recognition he's making here is, is my, 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 I, was bo- I was born in sin. This is the nature of, of, of humanity. We are imperfect. We do bad stuff. We act wrongly. We are crooked beings. There's something perverse at our very root. Something unable. He's he's touching the, the, the basic underlying flaw of being alive, being a human being. So he really has nothing to, to show for himself. Right? He's really got, like, so here I stand before God. I'm, I'm, I'm in essence flawed. What is the Torah? The Torah is a story of imperfect people making mistakes and doing figuring out how to live with that. The stories of the Torah don't have happy endings, most of them. They have ongoing struggle and people making the same mistakes over and over and over again. That's our, that's our you know, spiritual teaching. <laughs> that's telling us what, what, what life is like. Yeah. There's no such, it doesn't exist. That's not, that's not a realistic vision of the world. Even with our best calculations and best intentions, we still do damage. That is part of our world. You know, we, we saw this uh, a few months ago that the, the Mishnah says that uh, a, a human being is one of the Arba of Onizikin. We're damage doers. It's, 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 it's what we are. It's not the only thing we are, but we are acknowledging that that, that is, that rests at the core of our, of our existence. Let's, let's read on. David goes on and says, He says, it's true. Another way, this, this hen, this hen language. It's true. That in the inner realms, you, God, desire emet. You desire truth. And in the hiddenness, 
in these most concealed ways and, 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 and experiences, you are letting me know wisdom. You are teaching me wisdom. Now, it's unclear exactly what David is saying here, but like what he's referring to exactly, but what he is saying, he's speaking about a realization here, which is that somehow in these most concealed realms of life, God desires truth and teaches wisdom. What are we seeing, Tonal? David is saying, I did the worst thing imaginable. I'm recognizing my utter flawedness as, as, a, as the creature that I am. And I'm also realizing, God, that somehow in this process, in the most hidden way, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to truth. In my insides, I'm realizing truth. In those most hidden realms of my experience and of my existence, you're teaching me wisdom. He's recognizing something essential about life, about being. And it's coming in the most unpredictable, unexpected, wrong way. But God is teaching him hidden wisdom. <clears throat> David says, wipe me clean, purify me. Cleanse me to be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and celebration. Make the bones that you have crushed, that you have depressed, make those bones rejoice. He's basically saying to God, if I can learn your truth and wisdom, even in this place, I'm asking you to revive me. I'm asking you to lift me and bring me, bring me back once again. Turn your face away from my sin and wipe away all of my wrongdoing. People misread this passage. They think it says, Leif Tahor Barali. It's not God created me with a pure heart. It's Leif Tahor Birali. Create a pure heart for me. I'm at my nothing. I want you to recreate me. Give me a pure heart. Renew a, a proper spirit within me. Don't cast me away from before you. Don't take your Ruach HaKodesh away from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. Support me with your spirit of giving. Be generous, God. Hold me up. I'll teach sinners your ways. Other sinners will come back to you. Right? That was saying, if it's just me and my mistakes, there's no hope for me. Oh, but if God can revive me from, a, from my, my deepest wrong, my wrong can be helping other people too. Save me from blood, God, God of my salvation. Let my tongue 
Rejoice in your justice, in your righteousness, and here we go. Adonai Svatai Tiftah Hufi Yagiti Latecha. God, open my lips, and my mouth will tell of your praises. What is he asking for here when he's asking open my lips? Like he's been talking a lot. Right? We we think we use that as like before we open our lips to God. But David's been talking a lot so far. He doesn't have a problem opening his lips. But he's asking God to open my lips with the praise of of being revived by you. Of the the hopeful reawakening that you when you bring me back into to the land of the living, you bring me back from this deep pit of of brokenness then I'll have something to say of, of real praise to you that, that the whole world is going to be to, to benefit from. Here's already what Rabbi Nuyana was, was saying, because Dev is saying, I know there's no animal I can, I can shecht for you. You don't want any, any sacrifices. Your true sacrifice, God, a godly sacrifice, is the broken spirit, the broken and crushed heart. That's something that that you won't turn away, that you won't reject. That is the perfect offering. Remember <laughs> what Leonard Cohen said, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. What's the, the best, off- better than any perfect offering is the, is the broken heart, the crushed spirit that God won't reject. David is now speaking about a rebuilt world where maybe in that rebuilt world you will want animal sacrifices. For now, you want our our broken humanness. That's what David is, is offering. This is what Chazal chose as our entryway to tefillah. Chazal says... You want to pray? This is how you do it. This is where you start. You start by saying, Hashem Svatei Tiftach. something that we're not used to paying attention to because we just have a sitter. We already know the words by heart and we just say them. But we, 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 we don't recognize that Chazal put a lot of thought and kavana into the specific words of the tefillah. And even more than that, that they're working out of the paradigm of Torah. And that every Torah reference they're bringing means something. It's a touchstone of, of, of something that is meant to be guiding us in that, in that moment. So what's guiding us to approach God in prayer? And I say approach both in, in terms of kavanah mentally and also approach in terms of what we do physically with our bodies. When we walk to talk to God, when we take that approach, we say, Adonai Sfatai Tiftach Ufi Yagid Tiratecha. We might not be in the same, the same situation as David and Melech, right? But Chazal says that David teaches every individual how to reconnect with God from the place that they themselves have fallen to. In a sense, it's like, this is basically a paraphrase of the Gemara. Anything you could possibly imagine that you either did wrong or that's wrong about you, you can point to David and say, yeah, but look at that guy. If he managed to reconnect, 
So I can too. That's what Chazal means, that David lifted Ola Shel Tshuva. Who come Ola Shel Tshuva? David lifted the burden of Tshuva, made it bearable for us to, to reapproach God. When we're taking those three steps, when we are bringing ourselves physically, emotionally, and mentally to engage with and communicate with our Creator, we, in those three steps, and in this Pasuk, we are traversing that divide between the place that I know I truly inhabit, who I am, what I am, what I'm not, what I've done, what I haven't done, the totality of my being and its limits and flaws and imperfections, me as I am, I'm traversing that gap between me and my creator with those three steps. And these are the psukim that I'm saying to give voice to that ability to somehow cross that divide. Because that is what David's prayer was. David does not leave the utter acknowledgement of his brokenness and, and being unjustified before God. And nonetheless, he approaches. And nonetheless, he reaches a place of somehow from that very place coming close. That's, that's what those three steps are. A small step for man, a giant leap for mankind. <laughs> Mamish. Mamish, we're taking a giant leap for they said that for for what for what a human being is and, and, and can can be. Well, we could just talk for half an hour why it is that when we're diving we're actually taking a step on the moon, but we're not gonna talk about that right now. But it's not it's not only but it's not only this, right? What what part of what this also is is don't Think that to stand before God to pray, you need to be something you're not. This is a deep teaching about what it means to be in relationship with our Creator. We don't need to be perfect people or a tzaddikim to talk to God, and we don't need to pretend or push away our non-sadikut and our, and our deep flaws of our being when we talk to God. Adoraba. The relationship is one that is inviting the fullness of what we are. And that is the place from which we begin. That is where we start. Because otherwise it's like this f- fantasy version of myself talks to God. It's like a, it's like a fake relationship that's uh, confined to some some very small, either part of, of who I am or what I am, or, or lives only in, in the imagination of what I, what I think I'm supposed to be. No, that's not me and, and, and the creator of all. That's not me and Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's a division. That is a division. That's living on the other side of a wall. How do I get into a room together with God? How does God get into the room where I am? It's by bringing all of, all of me there. And, and, I, and I want to look now at, at this thing we do with our feet. Because we shuffle back and shuffle forward. If you just to think about it conceptually before we give it any words, what are we doing when we take three steps back? I'm, I'm removing myself. I'm distancing. I'm walking back from God. I'm walking into my distance. And then I'm walking back into... Closeness. 
in a sense, it's like, oh, you want to talk to God now? Great. Go get the part of you that that's all the way somewhere else, that doesn't deserve to be there, that doesn't think it was there. Go, go be in your distance and take that distance and now bring it close. I want to look, look inside the, the Shulchan Aruch, and uh, here I brought the, the Kafa Chaim, actually. We have uh, Yaakov Chaim Sofer, who was one of the Chachmei Baghdad. He was a Talmud of Rabbi uh, Vadya Somech, who was a street named after him down the road, and Rabbi Yosef Chaim, the Ben Chaim. He moved to Eretz Yisrael and uh, wrote a perush on, on parts of the Shulchan Aruch. But the, shul- the story of the Shulchan Aruch here, Shulchan Aruch says... The Shulchan Aruch doesn't say, the Machaber doesn't say to walk three steps back. The Gemara doesn't say it either. But. Shulchan Aruch says like this, raglav right? You know, the Shulchan Aruch is talking about how your feet stand when you pray. Shulchan Aruch says, put your feet together as if they're one foot, right? To be like the Malachim, what have you. Ragleim regal yeshara. And then the Ramah says... Is it the Ramaz? Yeah, I think it's the Ramaz. Says Yesh Omrim, Kesha Omed the Hitpalel, Yelech the Fanav Gimopsiot Derech Kiruf Vihagasha Ledavash Tsarichla. So it brings us to the name of the Rokeach. When you're standing and you're going to pray, take three steps forward as one who is coming close, one who is bringing an offering, who's being Megish, coming close to, to the one you're going to address. So before we even get to the three steps, I want to just share with you something that the, the Kafa Chaim brings the name of the Lavush. Because we think, oh, standing on one foot, I'm like a Malach before God. Right? How does that jive with anything we've been saying till now? What, you're, oh no, you're supposed to be like a Malach when you daven. Not like David. <laughs> so, he brings, a, he, he brings a bunch of different Mepharshim um, on this. He says some beautiful things about standing with your feet together, which is like, it's as if like I, I have no I can't move. On the one hand, to 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 take away my fidgetiness and help me have kavana, where my body is still, my my awareness can be more focused. And he also says, and as if to show like God, I can't escape. Like my feet are bound together, frozen before you. I've got nowhere to run. But look at what he brings in the name of the levush. Katav levush o tamacher. When you stand with your feet touching each other, you're not very stable. It's not a strong way to stand. It's not solid. You could just get tipped out. You lose. Can you lose your balance very easily? And this is showing. It's not just showing externally, but it's it's embodying a state of standing in in fear and awe and surrender before God. Right? I when I stand before God, I make myself unstable. My physical balance is in a sense insecure. And that itself is part of how can I actually stand here? I can't stand here in my power. I have to stand here in my vulnerability. And the physical stance we take helps us feel vulnerable and, uns- and unstable, unstable before God. 
because that is the truth of how we can stand before God. Right? You just think for a moment, by the way. We have something very unique called Tfilat Amida. We're standing when we pray. It's a bit uncomfortable to stand before Ribbono Shalom. That's an understatement. It's an overwhelming thing. How could he possibly stand? Wouldn't it be easier to, to, to prostrate ourselves, to lie down, or to sit with our head bowed, eyes closed? No. You want to you, you wanna get in an intimate connection with God? You stand up and you, and you speak. Both those things, having to stand and having to speak, are pushing us beyond, I think, where we would naturally be inclined when we, when we are in God's presence. The natural inclination will be kind of be blown, blown back, and blown, blown, and, and, and to shut up, to be quiet. Saying yes, that's true. You feel like you're being blown away and being, being shut, and and to get to the real connection with God, God, God wants you to, to to learn how to stand, and also be you in that presence of your creator to stand on your own two feet it's terrifying and and it's impossible and we stand in the impossible way i stand in a way that i'm not even stable <clears throat> um now the kafachaim brings a, a little further about the three steps and uh and he brings a few different misarot of what these steps are about already a lot of the poskim say the minhag to take three steps back before you take three steps forward. Even though in the, in the Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber there, I think it's the Ramah. Anyway, he only mentions the three steps forward. A lot of people say the three steps back as well. And I'm just going to read a few of these. Walk three steps backwards so that you can step three steps forward afterwards. And the reason to do this is because Moshe Rabbeinu, before he came and, and prayed on our behalf at Harsinai, he walked, took three steps. He walked through three mechitzot, I think it says in uh, the Avot Rabinatan, Choshech Anan Varafel. Darkness, cloudiness, and fog. We're taking three steps into the darkness, the cloudiness, and the fog where God is. That was Moshe Rabbeinu's approach to God, walking through these three levels of obscurity, of concealment, of, of not seeing. And this is the reason at the end of Tefillah we take three steps out, three steps back, is to, to, to take ourselves out of that, that cloud. And he brings another another opinion from someone named Chutashani, which is that it's connected the three milin that Amisra was blown away at Harsinai. Every time they heard God's voice, they were blown back three mil. It's like three miles. And Chazal says that their souls departed them and then their souls came back into them and they were brought back to hear the next word. Which both of these, Nisarot, bring up a few associations here. One is, or a few orientations. One is, remember, I don't know if any of you were here last week. Well, last week we learned from the Piyasetsnu, and Piyasetsnu saying that, that within my tefillah, God is teaching me 
the most intimate, private Torah. That, that to stand together with God and pray from an, an, an intimate experience is to hear the private Torah God has to teach me alone. All these images of the stepping forward and stepping back are images of coming to hear God. At Harsina, to receive a communication, not just to go and talk. Not just, okay, I guess it's my turn to talk now. No. And, and, and beyond that, to be blown out of, our, out of our being, three mil, is in a sense to go to that place of I'm withdrawing from God. I'm experiencing my inability to stand before God. And then from that very experience, Dafka, I take three steps back to be there. And again, how can I actually encounter God is by reaching into the fact that I cannot truly stand before God, encounter God. And to, to meet God in that impossibility is the only way to do it authentically, <laughs> is the way to, to, to actually be able to do it. Because if I don't have that awareness that this is impossible, so the likelihood is I'm just chattering away and try, saying, saying words to, you know, to the air before me without a real awareness of the one that I'm interacting with. And to be aware of the one I'm interacting with, I wouldn't be able to stand there and say anything. And so the way that I can all, both be aware of God and speak and interact and experience that intensity of, of encounter is to do it like David Melech, is to be like, like we were at Harsinai, is to stand in the place of I am deeply aware that this is not something that I'm capable of doing. And here I am standing in your space, that you are giving me a possibility of this nonetheless. Hashem You are inviting me into the cloud, into the darkness. And the wording, actually, of this pasuk helps point us to this kavana as well. Because if you paid attention to the Tehillim, it doesn't say, Yudke Vavke Svatai Tiftach. It's Adonai Svatai Tiftach Aleph Dalinun Yud. Aleph Dalinun Yud Svatai Tiftach. That's the koach from which I can open my mouth. And why is that? So first of all, I want to bring something from the, mention in the Abu Durham. Abu Durham is one of the um, earliest and, and really most fundamental comprehensive perushim we have on, on tefillah. For some reason, with all the generations that, that Am Yisrael has been davening, there's, there haven't been that many real iyunim into the meaning of our tefillah. And the Abu Durham was one of the, the tzaddikim who, who took this undertaking to give perush and commentary on all of tefillah and help us understand what are we saying, what are we doing. And the Abu Durham says on this pasuk, Adonai Svatai Tiftach, so he begins by saying some of the things we mentioned that we're basically asking God to give us the ability to open our mouths. A person, all we can really do is arrange our hearts, point our hearts in, in the direction, the general direction, and it's up to God to, to give articulation and speech that, that, that can reach there. 
And he says, "Vezeh Hashem katuv ba'alef dalit," and this name is on the alef dalit nun yud. And he quotes from somebody named Harab Shmuel ben Chofni. That what's the difference between yud ke vavke and alef dalit nun yud? Is that when I speak to God as the Creator of all being, I speak to you. I, I call God yud ke vavke, the beer of all, the be, the one who brings all into being, the becoming of all. But when I'm speaking to when I'm speaking to God and I'm referring to myself, that my address to God is about my Creator, my Master, then it's written, just like every grammatical um, word, where when I'm speaking about something that's mine, I put a yud at the end. So when we're speaking Hashem's Fatay Tiftach, it's coming again from that extremely personal place of I know where I am. I know my state. I know to the degree that I know what's going on over here. And I'm calling on the one who is holding me here, creating me, sustaining me, source of my own personal individual being and life, you're the one who I'm addressing here. I'm not talking about some generic God. I'm talking from an intimate place to the intimate God. But what does the word Adonai mean? Sir? Translate. Oh, sir? Master. Master. And Adon is master, right? So, I'm still waiting to see somebody else say this. <laughs> but I'll share with you what, what, what I think is in there as well. In the building of the Mishkan, there's something called Adanim in the Mishkan. Adanei HaChatzer, the foundations, thank you. The Adanei HaChatzer. Because, right, the Mishkan's a movable temple. And it has walls, but those walls need to be held up by something. So there's amudim, there's wooden beams, but those amudim stand in something called adanim, alef dalad nun, alef dalad nun yud, adnei hachatzer, which were these heavy silver sockets. sockets, thank you, that were pushed into the ground. that the Mishkan can then rest in. It's the case, the container, that, that the rest of it could stand in. So what does it mean when we call God that? You are the one who makes a space for me to be grounded here in your world. Be steady. But before being steady, my the, just the, the the very fact that you've made us you make a space for me to exist. You are my container here in this reality. The encasing of my life. You you made it here for me to be born and you're holding me here at every moment. You're my Adon. 
you're my master that I'm bound to. Right? But in, in you are the you are that which makes my being possible at every moment. Which includes the good and the bad. Which includes everything that I find myself in, in this moment and in every moment of my existence. You are my base, the ground of my being, the enabler of my existence. You hold me here. You hold this. And we say, I don't have coal. You hold all of this. I don't alarm. All the whole, all of his, okay, like all those words. But this is what, what this is the, the quality of divine that it's touching. Think of it sometimes as like the God gravity. That force that pulls all of this into being here, holding it. Doesn't need to be pulling a forceful. You just you're holding it. You're holding the space. You're holding the space. You make all this possible. You've held me in all of those places, and you're holding me here in this place. I feel my utter inadequacy, my utter brokenness, and that I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to live, and, and all that yada yada yada, and. When I get to the, and, and even what David said, I'm in my essence undeserving and impossible. Oh. But if I'm impossible and I'm here anyway, I guess that's where I'm meeting you. Because now it's clearly something holding me here beyond, beyond my capabilities and beyond my flaws. So when we're taking those three steps back, we can actually take the time to step consciously and slowly, one, two, three, more deeply into the place that we are right now to invite Myself in, just by myself, here I am. I'm walking away from, from talking to God. I'm walking away from this thing I've been doing until now. And I'm walking into that place where I'm distant, but I'm just in me. And to take them the moments I need to really feel into my place, my reality, my experience. And then from that... So wait for the invitation or the permission that I can give myself to take a little step and to take another one and to take another one. And while I walk, to bring all of that vulnerability with me, to bring my experience with me to stand in place in the unstable Position, just, and then and then I get to and then I get to name that. From that place, I get to name that Adonai. I call on what's holding me here, beyond what I could ever be doing, and let that be the ground for the tefillah. Let that be the the doorway to communication. Because I can really be here, and now I can really communicate with you here.
I don't have to leave myself behind and I don't have to create some kind of partial vision of where the limits of, of God and me are interacting. stop here for today. This is, a, this is an extension of the things we've been seeing over the weeks as you've been with us, not been with us, of the, the PSS, and they're saying that tefillah is God calling to God. Tefillah is entering into a place where when I call to you, I'm calling to, to the you that's in me. But what does that all mean, and what does that all feel like, and how does that work? Here is one doorway that Chazal has beautifully curated for us. And gives us the words for it, and gives us the mamash physical instructions for it. Physical and emotional mental instructions. I don't know if Your fault. If you have to wait twenty minutes, if you if you're davening is that you stand there and you can't say anything, maybe you did more than, than all the words you said. Yes? Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.